0: All right. Uh, question for you. Who, who is considered the most business-savvy woman that was in the Bible? Anybody know? Who would have been the most business-savvy woman in the Bible? It's pretty simple. It's Pharaoh's daughter, right? I mean, she went down to the bank of the Nile and withdrew a little profit. Nah, uh, you can slap me afterward if you want. That's fine. All right. Uh... Okay, so we have started a study on why I believe, all right, and last week we talked about why I believe in God, and we gave great evidences uh, about why there is a God, how, thing, how the universe was created, why are we even here, right, how did this happen, and the incredible design that's in the universe and in our bodies and in our lives, every, everywhere we see, it's, you just look out and think, how did this get here? How was this made? And we read in the Scripture some examples of statements made by prophets of so old who said, God made it. God wonderfully designed this universe, His creation. And it makes it hard to believe otherwise. I'm reading a book right now that says, it takes a lot more, it says, the title is, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. It takes a lot more faith not to believe in a God than it does to believe in Him. It's, it's all around us. You can't deny the design that's there and the philosophical arguments about how there's beauty in the universe and creation the aesthetic uh, argument that we can uh, we can see it we can understand it, we can see the beauty the artfulness of it in the design that God created and so we we have these examples of of evidence even though the world will tell you it's not there the world say I, I I've never seen God you know it's all uh, by chance evolution it just happened out of the blue but I say otherwise and today we're gonna look at another thing I believe in and that's the Bible and we're gonna look at some things about how the Bible was written how the Bible stands over the years and how it's uh, the Word of God and I certainly believe that and I hope you do too there's been a lot of quotes about the Bible Some of these in your outline, I'll just read a couple. The Bible's endorsed by the ages. Our civilization is built upon its words. No other book is there such a collection of inspired wisdom, reality, and hope. That's Dwight Eisenhower. The New Testament is the very best book that ever was or ever will be known in the world. Charles Dickens wrote a lot of books. Interesting how the Bible is so well known, and a lot of people despise it, right? But it has shaped the way we live. Over the centuries it has shaped governments it has shaped philosophies it has shaped the world we have nations today that war against each other right for their ideologies for their religion but the Bible tells us who the real God is who the true God is not it and there's scripture that says there's always gonna be wars and rumors of wars right things are gonna continue to happen there's always gonna be Stuff happening in this world. But he gives us hope in that Bible. The Bible gives us a hope of eternal life, of joy, of true peace. And so when things are going on around you, you know, you can have that. When, when things are bad, when health issues, money issues, family issues, that you can still have a peace and a joy that just surpasses understanding. The world doesn't get it, right? The world doesn't understand it. And so I'm not ashamed to confess my own faith in the Bible as the Word of God. I truly believe that this is the Word of God. If you'll turn over with me to 2 Timothy, let's read a passage here. I want to read from chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verse 16, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of god may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work now there's a statement there there's two verses that says the bible is inspired of god you either believe that or you don't if you believe it if you believe that verse is true then you gotta believe the Bible's true. Right? It's all inspired of God. There's no excuse. If you don't believe it, can't believe anything. What is there to believe, right? Without God, if there is no God, what do we got? Nothing. Just chaos. Just an, you know, a constant feeling of doom. Right? We're here for a little while and then it's over. Well, I believe in the Bible for not just out of my faith, but I also believe there is great evidence that the Bible is from God. You can read some of these in your outline here. Uh, The collection of 66 books was written over 1,600 years. That's a long time, right? A span of about 40 generations, and it was written by approximately 40 authors from every walk of life. You can see them in your the outline, but Moses, political leader, he was trained in Egypt. Peter, a fisherman, Amos, the prophet, a herdsman, Joshua, a military general. Daniel, a prime minister uh, of Babylon. Nehemiah, a cupbearer to a king. Luke, who was a doctor, a physician. Solomon, who was a king, Matthew, a tax collector, and Paul, a tent maker and a rabbi. Written in different places. Moses was in the wilderness. Josh, uh, Jeremiah was in a dungeon when he wrote, Paul inside prison walls, Daniel on a hillside and in a palace, saw the visions, Luke while traveling with the apostles, John in exile on the Isle of Patmos, and others in rigors of military campaigns and wars and battles, written at different times and during different moves. David wrote in time of war, Solomon in time of peace. Some writing from the heights of joy, others from the depths of sorrow and despair. If you've ever just gone through the Psalms and studied it, you have that range, right, of great joy and that range of deep despair. David wrote both. Other writers of Psalms, you read that through those Psalms. so inspiring, so comforting. It's also written on three continents, right? Asia, Africa, Europe and in three different languages Hebrew, Aramaic and Greek and the subject matter of all this writing includes hundreds of topics hundreds of controversial topics actually the original man in the universe the nature of God he revealed himself to us and the nature of sin and man's redemption his reconciliation to God all this in one book yet there Is something about it that covers all of that. There is great harmony and uniformity in it. You might say it's the paradise loss of Genesis becoming the paradise regained of Revelation, whereas the gate to the tree of life is closed in Genesis. It is opened forevermore in Revelation. Isn't it interesting how that flows from the beginning to the end of it? If you compare that continuity of the Bible with any other such writing as a man imagine what you would find if you just took well, ten authors or so right from one walk of life from one generation from one place from one particular time one one particular mood of the people one continent and one language speaking on one controversial subject what would you get would you get uniformity no You would have a conglomeration of ideas. Everybody would have their own opinion, right? Not harmony. The Bible has that. These men were not writing from their own ideas. They were inspired of God, inspired through the Spirit. That's why you see that. The reason for the unity of the Bible is in Scripture as well. Turn over to 2 Peter. Let's see what's written there in chapter, chapter 1. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. <clears throat> and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Bible was not written by men. Oh, yeah, they wrote they with their hand, they spoke it from their mouths, they lived it through their lives. But it didn't come from them, it came from the Holy Spirit, it came from God. That's why you have the harmony. The uniformity, the continuity throughout Scripture. Well, you know, atheists can say, well, that didn't prove anything. Okay, well, let's look at something else. What about the scientific foreknowledge that you see in the Scriptures? Turn over to Isaiah and we'll read a couple passages from there. Isaiah chapter 40. Just read uh, verse 21 Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Isaiah lived... Around little uh, 700 to 740 bc long before anybody knew the earth was round our sphere there he is mentioned in his prophecy the circle of the earth interesting how about uh, job let's go look at something in job job chapter uh, 26 <clears throat> Beginning in verse 1, Job 26. But Job answered and said, Have you helped him who is without power? Have you saved the arm that has no strength? Have you counseled one who has no wisdom? And how have you declared sound advice to many, to whom you have uttered words and whose spirit came from you? The dead tremble. Those under the waters and those inhabiting. Sheol is naked before him, and destruction has no covering. He stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing hmm. there we have job job is considered perhaps the oldest book in the bible and he says the earth hangs on nothing what, what did they in uh in rome or greece what did they think the earth stood on well, i know atlas right he was holding the earth on his shoulders or whatever is that i can't remember if that's greek or rome Romish, roman yeah, there's been all kinds of thoughts up at that time. There was no, no way for them to know that the earth hung in space circling the sun, which, by the way, at the time, they thought the sun circled the earth. If they even thought it circled it. How about uh, turn over to chapter 38 there in Job. 38 and verse 16. Have you entered the springs of the sea? Or have you walked in search of the depths? Now, of course, if you understand Job, this is where Job is cried out saying, why is this happening to me? Why are all these things happening? And God is explaining to him, it doesn't matter what you think, just have faith in me. Do you know about these things? Do you know about how the earth is hung in the space? Do you know how the springs of the sea occur? You know, we now know the, the trenches are in the sea. Water comes up and it comes out of these springs. Interesting point, right? Turn over to Acts 17. Let's read a passage from there in the New Testament. Acts 17, in verse uh, 26, and He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their preappointed times and the boundaries of their di- uh, dwellings creation men were created all from one blood even though we have different races in the world we all come from one blood we all bleed the same we have the same elements so in that respect we're all one and here we have Luke writing about that what Paul said he understood that at the time they didn't know that they thought the different races were very different not realizing that we're really the same We have evidences from the scripture, the prophecies. There's many more we can go through. But we also have prophecies that have been fulfilled in the Bible. And these are what blow me away, some of these. If you read through the prophecies and you understand that it's been fulfilled, how do you argue with that? Right? Oh, you can deny it. But if the evidence has been found, how do you argue with it? There's prophecies in the Old Testament that foretold events and details that are even beyond the scope of human speculation. they attributed it to God. If you'll turn back to Isaiah chapter 41, let's read about some of that. Chapter 41 of Isaiah, verse 21. Isaiah is talking about the futility of idols. There's only one God. He used to be worshipped. Verse 21, he says, Present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring forth and show us what will happen. Let them show the former things what they were, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them, or declare to us the things to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that you are God's. Yes, do good or do evil, that we may be dismayed and see it together. Indeed, you are nothing, and your work is nothing. He who chooses you is an abomination. Here we have Isaiah telling the Israelites that God is one. The idols are nothing. They do nothing. They are nothing. They produce nothing. And they'll be judged. Chapter 42 there. Verse 8. I am the Lord, and that is my name and my glory, and I will not give to another, nor praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. God declares that such evidence of his existence and superiority over man proves he is the one God. Chapter 46, verse 8. Remember this, and show yourselves men. Recall to mind, O you transgressors, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times these things are not yet done. Saving my counsel, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. God has promised things, and they have come true. He is the one god he has promised the messiah you can read about that in isaiah particularly chapter 53 and he has shown that there are no other gods before him well what examples do we have of this of this prophecy go back to isaiah chapter 13 and let's see what he says there chapter 13 of Isaiah, beginning in verse 17. Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them, who will not regard silver, and as for gold, they will not delight in it. Also, their bows will dash the young men to pieces, and they will have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eye will not spare children. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It will never be inhabited, nor will it be settled from generation to generation. Nor will the Arabian pitch tents there, nor will the shepherds make their sheepfolds there. But wild beasts of the desert will lie there, and their houses will be full of owls. Ostriches will dwell there, and wild goats will caper there. The hyenas will howl in their citadels, and jackals in their pleasant palaces. Her time is near to come, and her days will not be prolonged. Isaiah was written... Uh, he lived around between 700 to 740 BC. We know about Babylon, right? Daniel wrote about it. He was there. When did that happen? The captivity started around 570, and that was the first. They had a second captivity in around 5, I think it was four, uh, 40 or so, somewhere in there. <laughs> and then we also read about when they, when uh, Babylon fell, right? the handwriting on the wall, the Medes, Pers- Persian kingdom, Darius, King Darius came in, destroyed Babylon, took everything with him, and to this day, Babylon does not exist. Just as was prophesied there. Interesting, right? 200 years before it happened, it was prophesied about. I have to turn over to chapter 19 there. Verse 1, the burden against Egypt. Behold, the Lord rides on a swift cloud and will come into Egypt. The idols of Egypt will totter at his presence, and the heart of Egypt will melt in its midst. I will set Egyptians against Egyptians. Everyone will fight against his brother and everyone against his neighbor. City against city, kingdom against kingdom. The spirit of Egypt will fall in its midst. I will destroy their counsel, and they will consult the idols and the charmers, the mediums and the sorcerers. And the Egyptians I will give into the hand of a cruel master and a fierce king will rule over them says the Lord the Lord of hosts how did Egypt what was the demise of Egypt internal civil they fought against each other Egypt was a great civilization right we studied in our history books you can go to Egypt now and see the what the pyramids and the sphinx and all that stuff that was from their great kingdom that God prophesied there in Isaiah, that it was going to end, and it was going to be internal destruction, and that came true. We have a couple of more. Zephaniah talked about the fall of Nineveh, with its utter desolation of Zephaniah 2. Ezekiel talks about the fall of the great city of Tyre, in Ezekiel 26, with it becoming a place for the spreading of nets. I always love... The wording from the prophets how they describe desolation right there's no people there anymore it's just owls living in their house I I don't I don't see too many owls around but I would love to see that ostriches running around where the big city was if you ever studied some of the stuff about Babylon you know it One of the ancient wonders of the world is the Hanging Gardens, right? They don't exist anymore, but apparently they were very beautiful. What has been found? Apparently Babylon was a beautiful place. Had a canal ran through it, providing water for the city. It was thriving at one time, very wealthy, very rich. Had a wonderful civilization. Nothing there anymore. Desolate. There are many other examples of fulfilled prophecies. Isaiah also talks about Darius. He mentioned Cyrus, his name that was going to come and overthrow Babylon. That'll blow you away when you read that. You know that it came true, right? Many other prophecies have been fulfilled, especially those related to the coming of the Messiah. We're not gonna go into that net today because we'll look at that next week. When we talk about why I believe in Jesus but there are tremendous prophecies about that well what's another reason we can believe in the Bible well perhaps its impact right it's had a great impact on many things right art music literature I mean if you go back to the Renaissance period in Italy or, or Rome or Italy or um, the Greek. Civilizations, what is most of the art depicting? Biblical characters. You know the great statue of David, right? The Last Supper by, uh, what's his name? Can't think of his name now. Anyway, Michelangelo. Yeah, I wanted to say Donatello, I knew that was wrong. Uh, the Sistine Chapel where they painted the ceiling depicting all the biblical stories and things most of the art of that time comes from the bible why is that because of its great impact on the civilization that you know that some of that was done in you know at least 500 years ago more and some more if you go to any civilization and dig up their artifacts and things you'll find religious artifacts talked about that last week Why I believe in God? Because we all have this innate desire to know our creator. We have this innate desire or something that tells us there has to be a supreme being. It's not just the creation that we can see. It's inside us. God put it there. A desire for him. Part of that is we can't do do things on our own. This life is hard, it's hard to get through it on our own. Believe me, I know from the last few weeks what that's like, and without my church family, I don't know how I would've made it through it. But there's been a great impact from the word of God, and that's another reason I believe it. Art, music, literature, how about our educational system? Comes from God. Scripture talks about we need to raise up our children, right? That they'll know God. Nurture and admonition of the Lord. We continue to teach. They have to be taught. In our world today, it's a very secular world, right? In our schools, our children are not getting it. And it's got to be done at home. It's got to be done by our families, our parents, our grandparents, aunts, uncles can't rely on the government to do it you've got to do it we're taught that continuously in Scripture what about our judicial system did you know the tenets of our judicial system comes from Jewish law eye for an eye death for death all those things come from that We 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 don't we don't live in a barbaric society like many and history did where you had a tyrant who ruled and it was at his whim whether you cut your head off or not we have a freedom to be able to defend ourselves to be able to give our side of the story our testimony and we're not to be judged based on who we are now I know that happens I'm not being naive our judicial system comes from God he established it he established the way we are to deal with people the way we are to help people we had a study not too long ago on Ruth we talked about how she was able to glean in the field of Boaz and those who had wealth and had land they were to leave a certain portion from the field so that the poor could come in and glean from that that's from the Bible You have instructions about how to deal with slaves and so forth because God was taking care of the poor, those who had need. And the Israelites were to follow the law. That was the law, to provide for those who were in need. Same way today. We're told all over the New Testament, take care of those who are in need. Take care of the poor. Take care of those who ask you for something because guess what? You might be dealing with some angels now I don't know if I've ever seen an angel I believe there are angels we've had a good study on that but when you deny someone's need you need to think about that right am I going against what the scripture says yeah I don't want to give some guy on the street money so he can just go buy some booze or do you Maybe it's not your decision, to, your choice to decide that. Maybe you are to give without question. Maybe it's God's desire for you to be an example for others too, right? That comes from the Bible too. I know, I'm, I'm stating some things that maybe that's not an evidence of the Bible. But there's also evidence from science. Here's some quotes about civilization. Franklin Roosevelt We cannot read the history of our rise and development as a nation without reckoning with the place the Bible has occupied in shaping the advances of the Republic. When America was discovered, you know what one of the reasons for that was? It was at least stated, it may not have been the main reason, probably gold and enrichment had a lot to do with it but it was to bring Christ to the infidels that was one of the reasons that was one of the reasons guys got in a boat and went across the Atlantic not knowing what they were going to find to teach. Harry Truman, the fundamental basis of this nation's laws was given to Moses on the mount the fundamental basis of our Bill of Rights comes from the teachings we get from Exodus and Saint Matthew from Isaiah and Saint Paul. Benjamin Harrison, if you take out of your statutes, your constitution, your family life, all that is taken from the sacred book, what would there be left to bind society together? The Bibles transformed millions of lives. It's motivated people to become missionaries, as I just mentioned, to get out of their comfort zone, go out into the world, not knowing where they're gonna live or die, bring the good news to those needed to hear it great motivator It's made people better people spouses husbands better husbands right wives better wives it's made parents treat their children with love instead of ruling over them with a hard hand the Bible transforms people over psalm 19 and read something that's very this is a very encouraging psalm i love it this is a psalm of david and let's just start with verse one read it through psalm 19 the heavens declare the glory of god and the firmament shows his handiwork Notice these verses here. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping him there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumption sins. Let the not have a dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Do you agree with David on this? I hope so. His word is true. It's righteous. It counsels us. It reveals God to us so we know the truth. And there is truth. Absolute truth. We're comforted by it. When you're in dire straits, is gold gonna help you out? All the gold you got? Well, I guess you might pay for the doctor bill. But ain't gonna keep you alive, is it? When you need correction, when you need understanding, where are you gonna get it? God. When you need to understand what the future holds where you gonna get that God he knows nobody else knows that and through his word he has promised us eternal life where are you gonna get that the word the Bible is true I believe it with all my heart the evidence for the Bible from God Is objective and subjective. The objectivity, of course, is is the unity, is the foreknowledge of things that we know now from science and other things. The fulfilled prophecies, which are great, they blow me away. The subjectivity part is, you know, the part on our our hymn and world is um, we see the things that we can't get anywhere else. So I ask you now, do you believe in it? Do you believe the Bible's Word of God? A couple quotes before we finish. Honest Abe, Abe Lincoln. I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through his book. Within the covers of one single book, the Bible, are all the answers to all the problems we face today. If only we would read it and believe. That's from Ronald Reagan. Are you in the Word every day? Do you read your Bible every day? I know you're busy. I know you got to work. You got kids to feed. Got to get to the ball games. I know. I've been there. but more and more I realize I need God I need his word I need the Bible because this is the inspired Word of God I know I'm preaching a little bit now can't help it I guess I don't know if you're not a Christian why not man there is nothing better this will get you through anything I hope you're reading it every day I hope you're in prayer every day and if you're not busy in the church in the kingdom maybe it's time you do that I know you got a lot of other stuff going on but in the end that stuff ain't gonna really matter what's gonna matter is what you did for God after reading his word okay I'll quit preaching time is up